The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. I mentioned e-scooters though and that's where we're going to start so like I say this video emerged of somebody on the M50 uh, on an e-scooter uh, Patter Golden is the Ireland Country Manager for Tier Mobility they are involved in the, the e-scooter trade uh, Patter, I assume like everybody else you are appalled by that video Hey Kieran, thanks for having me on um, well yeah look the matter of fact is that that was an illegal vehicle on the M50 and it's been ridden illegally you know so as, as the article went through, I think we're all looking forward to the legislation really to, to come through, hopefully in the, the coming months, you know, to enable us to look at deploying um, and regulating, I suppose, the, the use of scooters in the, in the cities. So what, what is the status quo at the moment? What, what regulation exists, if any, and what will change after this is enacted? Yeah, so currently, I suppose, scooters or e-scooters fall in a bit of a, a grey area. Uh, they're classed as mechani- mechanically propelled vehicles. Um, and what we've got now is an amendment going through in the Road Traffic and Road Bill Act, which will give a classification of scooters under a certain requirement as personally propelled vehicles. So this will clearly define both the requirements and specifications for scooter usage on the road. And that has just gone through the Shannon there almost two weeks ago. Um, and once that will be passed, um, it will then go for regulatory review, um, which will then facilitate, I suppose, the rollout into the legislation. And are we, as a country, kind of treading new ground here, or does our legislation ape what's been enacted in lots of other countries? Yeah, so look, when we look across Europe or even globally, you know, there is regulation in play. And the advantage, I suppose, we have of that is we can take learnings, um, be it from that, but also learnings from operators like ourselves globally in what works and what doesn't. And that will enable, I suppose, we've been working closely, you know, be it with government, uh, the NTA, to support in defining what that regulation and legislation should be um, just so you know we consider I suppose the community that you're going to be um, launching these vehicle, new vehicle modes into how they're launched and, and the requirements of them so yes it, it, like it'll be new ground I suppose in Ireland however there's a lot of learnings that we've got from global, uh, global operations. Shane O'Donoghue is with us as well the editor of completecar.ie Shane it's good to talk to you again have you reservations about the new system? Yeah, I mean, obviously everybody agrees it's too little, too late. I mean, the the vehicles are out there. There's hundreds of them on the streets already. Um, and I think to to enact new legislation and try and bring everybody uh, into line with that right now is going to be a massive challenge um, for the RSA, for the Department of Transport, for the Gardaí. Um, and I think there's going to have to be quite a bit of investment just purely on that side, um, a campaign of awareness and then enforcement of new rules. Um, so that, that is one massive challenge. But I mean, nobody can argue. I think in cities, uh, they theoretically are a great addition, uh, another mode of transport to use and reduce um, reliance on cars. I can't can't disagree with that in any way whatsoever. I just, I do wonder uh, about how it's being introduced still and whether it is the right way to go. Uh, so w- what's the contention that they've been around, they've become so ubiquitous that, that people have gotten used to riding them in a certain way. And if you bring in legislation that, that, that uh, directs people to use them in a different way, they're, they're, they're going to keep doing what they've gotten used to. Is that it? 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think uh, unless there is significant enforcement and as we've talked to you about before, there isn't, isn't enough enforcement on the roads right now and uh, on car drivers, never mind, you know, hundreds of maybe thousands of people now using e-scooters. And the biggest issue I have actually with them is the fact that I don't think they're suitable to be mixing with traffic um, on our roads. Uh, you know, that, I just don't think it's a safe environment for people riding e-scooters. Um, they need a lot of training might help. I think if we had some kind of mandatory training, it would be brilliant. Um, but the, the roads just aren't suitable. The, these vehicles have small wheels. They're uh, the upper, the design of the upright handlebars and everything. They're inherently unstable. So they're grand if you're flying along on a smooth surface or on a straight road. It's when you need to take uh, evasive action or you need to slow down quickly or um, go around a pothole, unfortunately. Mm. Um, they are a bit more tricky to ride than a bicycle, say. And I think if you're mixing, if you're, you know, if you're a metre away, less less than that away from a car moving at 50 kilometres an hour, I think th- there's a bigger risk of danger there to the rider um, than a cyclist, for instance. And I just don't think it's a good idea to mix them. Uh, stay with us, Shane. I want to go back to Pattern. A couple of those points, but I might ask you about a, a, a training program in a moment, Pattern. But the idea that uh, people have gotten used to riding these scooters in a certain way, that there will need to be a, a job of work carried out to convince people or to, to, to even educate them about the new system. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, I think it, it, it's needed here. Like, there's clearly... Uh, we need to distinguish between, you know, a privately owned scooter and a shared public scooter. So they're designed in different ways. Yes, they will both meet the the required legislation. But by implementing, you know, that shared scooter scheme, say, be it in cities, you can leverage that to provide that training program to the communities. And a lot of the operators as well will do educational and training days to facilitate that as well. And that will hopefully also reduce the reliance on the private owned scooter, too. And I know we talked about that, the whole safety side of things. And look, the infrastructure is critical to get this right as well. And like there's a huge investment from an Irish perspective now going into be it active travel and, and I suppose improving be it the segregated cycle lanes. We've seen it, you know, I think Limerick is a prime example of what's been done well there or Fingal County Council and getting that in infrastructure to facilitate safe riding. And I know we discussed there, you know, potentially the vehicles being on the road with, with cars but the idea is now for the vehicle, the e-scooters to have a speed limit cap of 25 kilometers an hour mm-hmm. and actually utilize the the cycle lanes so they could the cycle lanes now become you know lightweight vehicle lanes and um, and again that's going to improve the safety for the individuals uh, both on the scooters and pedestrians what about the idea Patter, that there should be some sort of registration plate we talked about this in the context of cyclists last week there was the suggestion that there should be some way to to to, to identify cyclists as a road they're looking at going down in Italy should we do that with e-scooters so like from a, a shared uh, so scooter perspective you know all the vehicles that we would operate, so we have like over 300,000 vehicles globally on the road mm. and each has its own unique identifier and it's geolocated. So we'd actually know, you know, where the vehicle is at any given point in time, how the vehicle has been used and in turn can take action as well and put in safety measures to support an overall safety env- or safe environment for the use of the scooter. So we have that capability um, to do. And with the legislation coming through, look, it'll dictate what requirements um, or dictate what vehicles would need to be registered. 
um, and that will be over a certain threshold, be it from weight, speed and power. Uh, Someone has texted in, no legislation would have prevented uh, the person using the e-scooter and the M50 over the years. I've seen three cyclists on a motorway here, the M1 and the M50 included. Yesterday evening about 7pm, I saw three young lads sitting on the inside of the crash barrier on the M1. Uh, Patter, my technology, though, prevents somebody using a a shared e-scooter. It might be different for privately owned e-scooters, but a shared e-scooter and an M50. Because I mentioned, I was talking to Sean Moncrief earlier uh, and uh, I live in Kilkenny and there's bold bikes, the electric bikes the pu- uh, available for use, the shared bikes. And there's parts of town where they don't work. They're GPS located and the battery simply powers off. Yeah, so exactly. So we, we have like 200 electric shared bikes in Fingal Council and 150 in, in Limerick City. So what we do is they're all geocoded to a given business area. So if they start leaving a given zone or area, the vehicle will be slowly uh, ramped down in speed and then stopped. So it can't be moved. So shared mobility schemes have the capability to actually identify areas that can be no-go zones or go-slow zones, and the speed then can be adjusted to accommodate both of those. So yes, that could be controlled and the M50 incident could, would not occur. Uh, I, I guess the problem is the, the, the amount of... Uh, e-scooters that are privately owned and I don't want to suggest and, and I don't think anyone seriously is going to suggest that people on the M50 and e-scooters is going to be a huge problem but the idea that you'd have go slow zones or, or that you'd have no go zones that's fine for the shared e-scooters but I mean if everybody's on a private e-scooter or lots of people are there's very little you can do about that Yeah look the, the individuals using the scooter a private owned scooter they're going to have to follow the rules of the, ro- uh, rules of the road uh, and then adhere to them, you know, and then there will be penalties or whatever if, if I suppose they do not. And you got to treat it as if, you know, it's someone riding a bicycle or on a mo- motorbike, you know. Um, so I think we have to think of it in that regard. Yes, it may be a new form of active travel, um, but actually it's just another vehicle on, on the road. Uh, uh, Shane, do you worry about cyclists? If we end up with kind of uh, um, cycle lanes becoming kind of cycle and scooter and and I'm not sure what you call these kind of unicycle things, these kind of single wheels that people stand on. I saw one mm. whizzing past me on my way to Croke Park yesterday, <laughs> driving down the Ballymun Road and he's going plenty, well over 25 kilometres an hour. Anyway, um, I mean, y- you might worry about the weight of those and the speed people can go without necessarily having to pay a huge amount of attention because all you have to do is put your finger onto a button um, and, and ploughing into a cyclist. I'm not sure I'd want my kids in that cycle lane. Yeah, that's, it's, it is a valid uh, worry for sure. Um, I just don't know what the right answer is, though. I mean, it's, it's probably more dangerous for the e-scooter riders to be in with cars and at mm. least on a cycle lane, theoretically. Well, not all of them, I guess, but theoretically, some of them, they are directional. So everybody's going in the same direction. So the speed difference between the vehicles isn't so big. And also, of course, the legislation is supposed to be putting a speed limit on these things. Um, and I think, you know, the vast majority, once there is proper legislation in place, the vast majority of people will stick to the law. Um, that is, that is the way society works. And, you know, that means the vast majority of e-scooters will be limited to 25 kilometers an hour. And cyclists can go a lot faster than that with a bit of effort. Uh, uh, Patter, um, I, I assume GPS isn't accurate enough that you can prevent them going on a footpath beside a road, but they could be allowed on the road. So, so we have different technologies available, something that we've actually just implemented where there'll be sensors within the vehicle itself that actually will look at inputs from the terrain that the vehicle goes over. Okay. And that will indicate, you know, if the ve- a shared vehicle 
is say traveling be it on a on a pavement uh, or for argument's sake if there were two people on on a scooter when it should be a single individual so the, the algorithms will continually be learning if you will to adapt to the different terrains but that is how we would implement you know um preventing the riding of the vehicles on footpaths all right. Listen, Pader, I appreciate your time. Pader Golden is the Ireland Country Manager for Tier Mobility. Shane O'Donoghue, the editor of CompleteCar.ie as well. As Steve in Dublin says, using this e-scooter incident to bash e-scooters generally is a real stretch by the anti-scooter brigade. Stupid people will do stupid things. For every e-scooter on the motorway, there are probably 10 unlicensed or uninsured teenage drivers. That, like I say, uh, from Steve in Dublin. This one comes from Jim. Jim says, e-scooters and electric bikes need to have a registration plate. They need to be insured and the driver's owner need to be identifiable through a license. They should also be taxed. Otherwise, our scooters or rather, otherwise our roads and pathways would be held to ransom by individual uh, irresponsible individuals. And Des says, all legislation is useless without enforcement. I'm seeing a huge increase in tractors on motorways around the country and cops do nothing about them. I think tractors are allowed on the motorway, aren't they? Um, once they can get up to 50 kilometres an hour. You can't drive like an old Massey 365, but you can drive a JCB fast track on the motorway. I might be wrong. I'm sure, listen, if there's any farmers listening, there's lots of farmers listening, but if any of them want to get in touch, I think once your tractor is capable of doing a minimum of 50, it's allowed on uh, the motorway. So your brand new fence can go on it, but like I say, your old Ford or your old Massey isn't allowed. Des, maybe I'm wrong. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.